You're listening to sermon audio from Grace Mosaic, a congregation of the Grace DC Network in Northeast DC. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org. Many of you, many of us in life will achieve some sort of success. And I know where I'm at. I'm in, I'm in Washington, D.C., and so many of you have uh, achieved success by simply being here. This is the place to be in your career. Uh, whether it's uh, in school, in your job, your career, college, high school, middle school, grade school, in your family life, in your friendships, uh, many of us will achieve some sort of success. We will get to the place where we are financially comfortable, where we are admired and celebrated, and many of you are there now. But see, with success, there oftentimes comes the distraction of comfort, unbridled ambition, clout chasing, anxiety, insecurities, and fears. Isn't there temptation that oftentimes comes with success? We can get cocky. We can get rude and condescending to those around us, and we totally lose a sense of gratitude and happiness for why we even set out on our journey in the first place. And you know what is a part of this complex issue? Forgetfulness. We forget. Don't we see this forgetfulness in the movies? Darth Vader in Star Wars is a classic example. (laughs) Starting out as a powerful Jedi, the, the promised one, He forgets his humble beginnings as a slave, the people who made him a Jedi like Obi-Wan, and he forgets who he truly is, the things that truly made him who he is and tied him to the story that he's a part of. Don't we see this with famous entertainers and business moguls? They start out wanting to do a good thing and they rise to prominence and they just get distracted with all types of temptations and they lose their way. And dare I say, don't we see this with some of our politicians? Start out wanting to serve the community, serve folks, and they get lost in the mix. And they forget why they started out in the first place. And it becomes about holding on to power by any means necessary. You see, we can totally forget where we came from, who got us there, and who we are. And this is why the older and wiser folks around us sometimes, you know, the old heads, they, they, they look at the younger generation, how ambitious we are, and they, and they see us getting a little fame, a little, a little success, and we, we get a little money in our pockets, and they say, baby, remember where you came from. Don't get it twisted. Say, baby, remember the people who got you here. And remember who you are. These are popular sayings and timely reminders for all of us, is it not? Because remembering these things allows us to maintain a grip on reality when we walk in success. When we are achieving success in anything, we must remember. And family, isn't the same thing true of our walk with Jesus? When we become Christians, oftentimes we're in that honeymoon phase where we just wanted to tell everything about Je- uh, everyone about Jesus where we were making big changes in our lives and where we were fired up and we were serving people sacrificially. We were doing all these things that were connected to our faith. We were trying to share our faith with everybody. We're texting people and drawing people to the Lord and asking people to meet up with us one-on-one so we can give them a gospel presentation. Y'all remember them days, if you had those days? I remember my days in college like that. 
just pulling up to the African-American student uh, center and just sitting down. Everybody, here comes Cyril. You know, he's coming with the gospel. <laughs> they already knew. Hey, guys. <laughs> but oftentimes, trials and tribulations come. Uh, old sins start creeping in, anxiety and fear and clout chasing and uh, guilt. They oftentimes drown out our joys, and many other temptations come as we progress in the Christian life. Am I right? And we forget. We forget where we came from. We forget the one who got us there. And we forget who we are. So, y'all, uh, this is one of the tactics of the enemy. He wants us to forget just how good the good news is. We start to walk outside of the power that Christ gives us, and we start to become complacent, and we neglect a lifestyle that is filled with joy, and we become lackluster Christians. And family, this directly impacts our ability to share the gospel with our neighbors. Why are we going to share something that we don't really believe is good after all? We call it the good news, but do we really believe it is good? Is it good good? So that's my whole point for today. This is the whole sermon right here. You're about to get it. The good news is good, so share it. That's it. The good news is good, so share it. So like I said, the devil wants you to forget is one of his most powerful tactics. And here Paul is doing spiritual battle by helping the Ephesians remember. He wants them to be victorious over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And he wants them to remember where they came from, who got them there, and who they are. So y'all ready? So let's, let's look at some ways to remember how good the good news is. First, you have to remember where you came from. You have to remember where you came from. And we see this in verses 1 through 3. It says in Ephesians, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Family, you came from death. Before the Ephesians became Christians, they walked in a different way than they walked at that point. They, the, the way they used to walk was defined by sins and trespasses. The sins and trespasses were both against God and their neighbors. And to live in this way is death. Death isn't just when you die and are put in the grave. Death is when you are walking apart from God. They were the walking dead. But then Paul reminds them that they came from the world. As he said, following the course of this world. Oftentimes, you know, when Paul says the world, don't think of like the full population of the earth or don't think, you know, planet earth. Think humanity united in rebellion against God. Think of all the systems and structures and governments and cultures and ways of life and, 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 and rhythms that are against God that kind of define this world. And the Apostle Paul's telling them, y'all, y'all were right at home with the world. There wasn't even a difference. You were following the ways of the world. They were in harmony with the anti-God programming of everything that was around them. And he says, not only that, but I want you to remember that you came from the devil. He says this, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So you're like, what? Who's the prince of the power of the air? <laughs> so oftentimes, you know, so this, this is one of the things I'm passionate about lately, how I feel like the Bible is way more spiritual than we are. It is just like so deeply spiritual. So oftentimes in every sermon, I have to like teach people like what's happening around us even now like we're 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 gathered with the saints in heaven right now um we're praying so like anyway so oftentimes evil spirits are called princes or rulers because evil 
spiritual beings rule the world and direct the course of world history. Did y'all know that? Sounds pretty crazy, huh? But it'd be because we're so secular, but the Bible's spiritual. And the, the, the prince of the power of the air, um, it says the power of the air because the air was a way of referring to the spiritual realms. Kind of the same way as the heavens are both the sky, but it's also like the spiritual realms. They're also very concrete. They weren't so, they were spiritual, but they weren't so like spiritual. Like they were very concrete. You know what I mean? Uh, the prince of the power in the air is otherwise known as Satan, the devil, Beelzebul, the evil one, the enemy, the ruler of this world. And in following the ways of the world, they were following the ways of the one who ruled the world, the enemy, the devil. And in in, in, in the Bible says something really intense. It says that this spirit energizes the sons of disobedience. On earth, you're either possessed by one of two spirits, God's spirit or the devil's spirit. Either God is energizing us or the devil is energizing us. And sometimes there's a mixture. We're possessed by God's spirit, but we're, we're following the course of the world. And sometimes we're, 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 we're energized by the devil's spirit, but we are, because we are designed by God, we're able to kind of have remnants of our glories designed by God. But in general, everything around us is being influenced by spiritual forces. But the Apostle Paul says their lives were primarily animated by spiritual darkness. The spirit of Satan energized them. And not only that, he says, you came from the flesh, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So the flesh here doesn't refer to our like literal flesh. The flesh is a symbolic way of referring to our old selves before we met Christ. It says the flesh because the flesh was like the way through which we lived out this rebellious life. So in their former lives, even their best deeds were incomplete because they were tainted by wrong desires, and even the deeds themselves were incomplete. And because they operated in this way, they were under a spiritual death sentence. They had broken the laws of God and God's just punishment for destroying themselves and their neighbors and the world around them was on them. So to summarize, the devil controls the world, the world shaped their lives, and their lives were filled with sinful desires and deeds. And this whole kind of complex, God's disapproval and justice was coming down upon it. Y'all, this is kind of intense, isn't it? Some of y'all might be thinking, yo, who is this guy? Like up here talking about evil demonic powers and the flesh and, you know, the, the, the Satan is energizing people. Like this is weird. But this is what the scriptures teach because we're secular and the, and the scriptures are spiritual. But is, is, is it really surprising, though, when we read uh, the, the newspapers? Well, I guess we don't read newspapers anymore. When we read our news apps or when we get the 10 things you need to know this morning from, from our emails, when we read it, I, sometimes I can't read it in the mornings because I can't start my day off just sad. Someone once said that the, the Christian teaching, the Christian doctrine of total depravity is the one doctrine that is just obvious just from looking at planet Earth. Everything around us is tainted by corruption. And sometimes we don't realize the depths of the ways that the world is sinful is because we are dangerously comfortable with it as Christians sometimes. We kind of are at peace with a world that is not at peace with God. So family, have we forgotten where we came from? So just like a successful person that has forgotten their humble beginnings, we have, as Christians, have we forgotten where we came from? 
And I think the reason why we don't share our faith more is because uh, we actually kind of believe that where we were before Christ is a little better than where we are now. Am I the only one who feels that sometimes? We, we, we look back and be like, man, like, you know, our hearts just start to be like, man, like, reminiscing. It's like, why am I reminiscing? We should be screaming with Drake, started from the bottom, now we're here, right? <laughs> but what we really sometimes feel is like, started from the top, and now we're here, right? We start letting the world, the flesh, and the devil grab hold of us again. And it's, you know what? It's really hard to share the good news when you don't really believe that it's that good. It's really hard to share the good news when you believe the bad news really wasn't that bad. When you believe your former life outside of Christ actually was just, you know, about the same as your life now in Christ. But family, I, I tell myself this oftentimes. I say, Cyril, do you remember where you were at before you came to Christ? Do you remember why you started, like, really following Christ in the first place? It's because you were miserable. <laughs> it's because you didn't like your life. <laughs> It's because you were sinful and miserable. You were dead. You were participating in the evil of the world. You had the spirit of Satan energizing you. You were a slave to your destructive deeds and desires. You had a death sentence over you in the courts of God. You and God were enemies, and he decided to love you as his enemy. That's why we came to Jesus. And non-Christians, maybe you're here and you're like, you're like hold up, hold up, preacher. You talking about the spirit of Satan is energizing me? Like, we could throw hands. Like, what are you talking about? And I realize how hard the Bible is to hear sometimes. The Bible is like, you know, as oftentimes as preachers, we want to be really like, you know, uh, uh, the Bible is just a little more forceful than we like to be sometimes. Um, I, sometimes I was like, ooh, okay, I wish the Bible wasn't so forceful here. But I'm going to tell you that this is a hard word for Christians too. Sometimes we can fall prey. Oftentimes, if you read church history, we can fall prey to the world, the flesh, and the devil as well. We follow the ways of Christ, but oftentimes we're led astray to follow the ways of evil. And so as fellow humans, wherever you're at spiritually, we have a common enemy and a common call from God to embrace Jesus. So second thing, I want us to remember who got you here. I want you to remember who got you here. Can we try something? Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, remember who got you here. God, God is here. So look at this. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, in verse 4. We have just talked about where we came from, but now I want to talk about who got us here as followers of Jesus. God got us here. But God is one of the most beautiful phrases in all of the Bible. God himself had to show up and intervene. We had a great dilemma, but we also have a great deliverer. And why did he do it? The Bible says because of his love for you. God loves you. This passage refers to his mercy and his grace and his kindness, and those are all forms of his love. You see, mercy is God's love for the miserable. You see, grace is God's love for the unworthy. You see, kindness is God's gentle love. And God loves you in all of these different kinds of ways. And God got you here through his life. It says here in verse 5, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one can boast. 
It says that God has made you alive. You were once dead, and now you are alive. Family, did you know that sitting right here, if you have faith in Christ, you are alive? You are living. You see, when Christ was resurrected from the dead and he ascended to power in heaven, he had life over death and power over all things. And in the same way, if you are united to Christ by faith, you have life over death and you have power over all things. You were the walking dead, but you are now walking in life. You were under the power of Satan, but now you reign over Satan. You had a worldly life, but now you have a heavenly life. You were under the wrath of God, but now you are under his grace. You are alive. And it's like uh, giving a car a jump when, when your battery died. You see, your battery was dead and Christ pulled up and he connected jumper cables to you. And when he turns the engine on and revs the engine, his car starts to give life to you. You see, uh, because Christ has the engine of resurrection life, you have the ability to come to life. And faith is the jumper cables. Faith is how you get connected to the life of Christ. And family, this is not your doing. This is not your doing. You weren't smart enough to believe in God. You weren't godly enough to choose Jesus. You didn't have enough sense to start walking according to his ways. A car can't jump itself. A drowning person can't lifeguard himself. A house can't extinguish itself. Another has to come rescue you. It had to be by grace. There was literally no other way that this could happen. Salvation is a free gift. And here's the thing. When have you ever boasted about receiving a gift? You know, at Christmas, do, do, do we brag about how, how great the, 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 we were to get that gift? No, it, it was given to us. We brag about the gift giver. Otherwise, it would be a wage or a reward or an award, but a gift is given regardless. And God did it for his own glory. God brought you here by your own glory, before his own glory. It says in verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So what was God's goal in saving us? God was like, man, I want to show off how good and how kind and how loving and how gentle I am, and I'm going to do it in their lives. I'm going to throw my weight around with my goodness. I'm going to blow their minds with my kindness. Because he says, for, to, in the ages to come, he's like, I want past, present, and future to see how good I am. Man, God is good. And he displays his own glory in order to woo us to himself. He wants to recapture. He's like God. The, God is the only person who could be self-centered, and it does everybody good. God wants to recapture you because he's the one who has life. He is the one who is the source of all goodness. Without him, if you weren't centered on him, you would be nothing. And God has brought you here by faith. You see, faith is, is another word for trusting in something or someone. And, uh, and f when you have faith, you're relying on something. When, when you have faith in God, you're relying on him. You're, you're trusting in him. When you're drowning, you have no option but to trust the lifeguard. There's no option. When you're under the anesthesia for surgery, you have no option but to trust that the surgeon is repairing you. When you are dead in your trespasses and sins, you have no choice but to trust the giver of life, God himself. Because of your total helplessness, trust does not save you, uh, it, it does not earn your salvation, 
because you were totally helpless. There's no merit in it. It is merely the way that you receive somebody who's going to help you. That's what faith is. Faith is just open hands. You see, when, when my air conditioning breaks and the AC man comes over and he hooks up all the cables to my outside unit and he's talking about the, you know, the refrigerant and the condenser coils and all that stuff, when he leaves, I don't go to, my, go to Janelle and be like, yeah, like, your boy fixed the AC, like, killed it. You know, the AC is, you know, no, it was the AC man. Like, he did it. Somebody had to, we had to pay him, right? <laughs> That's what it's like with salvation. We can't boast about it. We can't walk in pridefulness over other people. Somebody had to come get you. Somebody had to come save you. Spiritually blow his spirit on you and bring you, just like he created Adam and Eve, blew his spirit. He is doing that to you in your Christian life. He had to recreate you. We boast in him and not about ourselves. Isn't that what evangelism is? Isn't that what sharing our faith is? Recognizing, man, somebody came and got me. Man, I'm going to brag on them. Family, have we forgotten who got us here? Like the celebrity who forgot all his people who were good to him along the way. Have we forgotten how good God has been to us? I think the reason why we don't share our faith more is because we really don't believe God did that much for us. We really don't believe God does that much for us other than, like, make us, make us feel good about the fact that he loves us. But, like, what, like, other than that, like, you know, like, I, 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 I think sometimes we really lose sight of what God has really done in our lives concretely and tangibly. God has changed, wrecked your life for the good. His love isn't just a good thought or a good feeling. His love is real. It is powerful. It is it, 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 it is overwhelming. It is life-changing. And we oftentimes forget that. So, and also remember how good the good news is by remembering who you are. Remembering who you are. It says in verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he said, for we are his workmanship. He's saying, remember who you are. You belong to God. God has created us. He's made us something new. If you are saved, you have been remade. You have been refurbished. You have been DIY'd by God. <laughs> Remember your purpose. He has created you in Christ Jesus for good works. Formerly, you were walking according to the course of the world. You were walking according to the flesh and your sinful works, but he has changed your path. Remember that the, the ways of the world was destroying you. That's why you went, came to Christ. In Christ's ways, even though they are, they are hard sometimes, it is a sacrifice sometimes, all the time, they are giving us life. His commandments are sweet like honey. And doing good works is walking in intimacy and joy with Jesus. And God has given us a plan. He says he has planned out our good works beforehand that we should walk in them. God has literally planned out the good works that you should do. And we need to walk in them. So, family, some of us have forgotten that we belong to God. We say, hey, God has forgiven me. I'm a Christian. But do we really believe that? Do, do, do we really believe that we belong to God? Every single ounce of our lives is designed to give him glory. We're not just forgiven. We're not just have forgiving grace, but we have empowering grace to live new lives. Risky lives, sacrificial lives, bold lives, because we remember how good the good news is. 
And I think one of the things that we most neglect when thinking about how we are his workmanship is that we forget to actually boast about him with our mouths. We forget to show off his glory. Like evangelism, sharing your faith is love. That's one of the most powerful ways you can love your neighbors. There's no separation between loving our neighbors and sharing our faith. Actually, Barna uh, talks about how in this upcoming generation, 50% of this generation believes it's morally wrong to share your faith. 50% of this upcoming generation of Christians believes that actually sharing your faith is, is inconsistent with actually loving your neighbor. But the Bible reminds us that loving your neighbor is sharing your faith. You can't love your neighbor if you don't have a desire to share with them how good the good news is. So Christian, boast about the goodness of your Savior. Share your faith in your neighborhood, on your job, to your peers, to your direct reports, to your bosses, to your family, to your acquaintances, wherever you go, talk about how good the good news is. When you are scared, when you don't feel like it, when you don't want things to be awkward, when you're socially uncomfortable, when you're insecure, when you're doubtful of your own abilities, share how good the good news is. Because the good news is good. And see, when, when, when something is truly good and when something will truly transform other people's lives, it's not only nice to share it, like we have to share it. Why would we withhold it? And telling people about Jesus is a joyful thing. So how do we do this? We do this as we serve. We do this as we live life. There's no special program. There's no, you know, six-week, uh, you know, evangelism project. There's no special magic words. As we're serving people and as, as we're living with people, we just talk naturally about Jesus. When people ask us how our day is going, we say, man, I went to church, and man, I was refreshed because Jesus is good. Or, man, how you been doing? Man, honestly, I've been wilding, but, man, I really talked to Jesus about it, and, man, his grace kind of really lifted me today. You know, it could be two sentences. You know, and it just, just and, 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 you know, it, it does take some reprogramming because we're so used to not talking about Jesus sometimes. But we have to, like, find little ways to actually be like, hey, like, this is a big part of my life. Let me share this with my neighbors. You don't have to give a whole speech. You don't have to ask somebody for 10 minutes so you can give them a gospel presentation, even though it's not bad if they want to give you 10 minutes for a gospel presentation. <laughs> but just like you would with your favorite restaurant, your favorite music album, your, your favorite dessert, your favorite athlete, just talk about them. Get excited. Remember how good the good news is. Family, remember how God picked us up and turned us around and placed our feet on solid ground. Remember that God's love was a balm to a bleeding and hopeless soul in a hopeless situation. Family, remember how God provided for your every need in the midst of starvation and homelessness. Family, remember that God's mercy shone in the midst of your crushing guilt and shame. Family, remember how time and time again, God's grace makes a way out of no way through many dangers, toils, and snares. Family, remember how God has given you strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. Family, remember how God has given you breath in your lungs, so pour out your praise to him. Family, remember how Jesus walks with us in our sorrows and our trials, as the old spiritual says. Family, remember how King Jesus rode over our enemies when we are under abuse and oppression. 
Family, remember how God's power transformed those destructive habits and desires that were killing us and sucking the life out of us and the people around us. Family, remember how God's call gave you a purpose and a mission as you mourned your broken home, neighborhood, and city. Family, we must remember. So family, remember where you came from. Remember who got you here. And remember who you are. And this is vital in the Christian walk to do this daily. And it is only because we have a great Savior that we can do any of this. Because Jesus remembered you in his life. Did you know that Jesus remembered where he came from? When Jesus was here on earth, he always remembered that he came from heaven to save you, to love you. Did you know that Jesus remembered who got him any place at any second of the day? He lived his life in total dependence upon the heavenly father and upon the spirit. And he remembered for you so that you might remember. And family, do you know that Jesus always remembered who he was? Jesus was a servant, and he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for you. I want to encourage us with this fact because in, in Christ you have overcome the world, the devil, and the flesh. And so let's, let's walk in life and not death, and let's walk in victory, not defeat. Amen? Mosaic. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org.